What is good, guys? Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week and give our reactions and takeaways from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu along with Kaden Wittemann, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So week six is right around the corner, and we have a very, very mediocre Thursday night game <laughs> with the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. This is the battle of the tank bowl to see if we get the number one pick for the next year. But of course, this always has to be one winner. Who do you have winning this game? Um, I think both teams, as you mentioned, just aren't fit to win games in, at all. So it's going to definitely be a low-scoring affair, in my opinion. But I do see the Commanders coming out on top just because I think they do have more offensive firepower. Interesting. I got the Chicago Bears. They somehow have been able to win games, which is unbelievable because their offense is literally the worst offense in the entire league. But I think their defense is just going to play m- much better than the Commanders. Justin Fields, as much as how bad he's been playing offensively, throwing the ball-wise, he still has that dual-threat ability where he's able to run and get first downs. And this Chicago Bears defense is a little underrated, too. I'm not going to lie. They have Roquan Smith, who's been looking like the underrated player he's always been. Um, the secondary's also been looking not bad, but, you know, not good. It's just been mediocre as well. But I think that's going to be enough to get it done over the Commanders. I, I see it, but also the Commanders' front line, even without their number one player... Are looking really good, like the commanders' O line. Yeah, no, no, defensive line. Oh, defensive <laughs> no, line. not O line. No, looks horrible. no, no, no. Yeah, I can agree on that. No, the defensive line, even without Chase Young, they're looking pretty, pretty good. Being able to get to the quarterback, as we saw last week. So this is going to be not an exciting matchup, but we'll see who wins. <laughs> oh, of course. And we'll go into some AFC matchups for this week. A rematch between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts we saw last time. It was a very, very big upset for the Jaguars. Yeah. Do you think the Colts are going to redeem themselves at home? Um, I'm predicting them to. I hope for their sake that they can because this team, if they lose again to the Jaguars, it's just not going to be a good look. And I really don't think that they're going to be able to make the playoffs. It, it, this is probably a deciding game whether or not their season's going to keep going, trending upward, or just continue downward, in my opinion. Yeah, I do have the Colts winning this one. They're at home. They're not in the cursed Jacksonville Jaguars arena. Um, I'm not sure if Jonathan Taylor's coming back, but, I mean, this is a game where Matt Ryan should be able to bounce back, feed his receivers, and get them open looks. Because, I mean, this Colts team's just looking so bad this year. And then we got uh, your team, the Patriots, against the Cleveland Browns. What do you have winning that one? I think this is a very, very even matchup, more than people understand, because both these offenses are run-dominant, and their defenses are run-dominant as well. So I think that um, this is going to be an even matchup that really comes down to the play of the cornerbacks versus the wide receivers, and whether Amari Cooper has a good game, or whether maybe Jacoby Myers has a good game for the Pats. But honestly, I am going to take the Patriots, just because I think they've the shutout that they just had last week, they have some momentum to carry over. And Mac Jones is questionable. He may end up playing in this game. And I think that's a difference maker if he's healthy. If not, Bailey Zapp. I'm, I'm, I, if, if Bailey Zapp is the quarterback, then I'm going to take the Browns. But it's still unknown. So we'll see. I got the Browns taking the win over the Patriots for this one. I'm just going to look at quarterback play just for, as the main reason why. Jacoby Brissett's looking pretty solid this year you know, as a replacement for Deshaun Watson until he comes back. And I don't know. I just don't trust the rookie quarterbacks for the Patriots this year. This Cleveland defense, they also have Miles Garrett. The cornerbacks, I think they've been picking it up on the defensive side of the football as well. So I think they're going to cause a lot of trouble for Bailey Zapp to try to feed his receivers. And then we also have an AFC against NFC matchup. We got the Packers against the Jets. This could go 
pretty interesting, I would say. So, who do you have winning this one? Um, I honestly think that the Jets have been on a tear. And while people may be shocked to think that I may take them over the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, as we talked about in our last episode, the defense just has not been there for the Packers. And while you guys, while there's an offense that's rolling in the Jets, Brees Hall is beginning to break out as that player that they thought they were going to get. Um, their defense is looking better than it did to start the season. I think that the Jets have an honestly favorable favorable matchup, and so I'm going to take the Jets. As much as I want to jump on the Jets train right <laughs> now, I got to take it back to reality. The Packers are still a good team, even though they had an embarrassing loss to the Giants last week. But I still have the Packers taking this one. This is a good bounce back game for Aaron Rodgers to get back into the groove of thing with his wide receivers. We talked about how his wide receivers aren't just on the same page with Rodgers. I feel like this is a good game for them to reestablish that connection with each other. Then we got a good matchup with the Bengals and the Saints. What do you have winning that one? I think this is a good matchup for the Bengals. I think that while the Saints defense is one toward the top, top of the league, this offense is due for a win. Like... T. Higgins got injured last week, only was limited to 10 snaps. Jamar Chase really hasn't been himself the entire season, and Joe Burrow's just been doing his thing. Not really anything, like, to highlight, but just... it's This team has just not been up to par with the expectations. They made the Super Bowl last year. If I'm looking at the rosters, I would take the Bengals, but I will not be surprised if the Saints take this game. I do have the Bengals taking this one over the Saints but like you said like these two teams are I would say like a big disappointments this year yeah um, this Saints defense was supposed to be like one of the best ones too and they just haven't been looking up to those expectations the Bengals same thing with the offense you know they're supposed to be one of the best young cores in the entire league they're on the comeback but this year they're like taking a step back but I just think their offense is going to set what's the offense is going to do what's going to take to get the win over the Saints and I think it's going to give them over the edge then we got a very interesting Ravens against Giants matchup. The Ravens look like they can compete with any team, but the Giants been looking really good too, and they've been sleeping on. They've been sleeping with. Oh my god! <laughs> and a lot of people have been sleeping on this Giants team. So who do you have winning this one? I'm not one of those sleepers for the Giants. Honestly, this Ravens defense, this pass rush, and the run defense is a little lackluster. And Saquon, as we know, has been possibly not only a comeback player of the year candidate because i think he will win that but in my opinion an mvp candidate as that because this team is four and one right now and they would not be in this position without him i think he's going to have a phenomenal game but this game is going to come down to more than that and for that reason i'm going to take the ravens but if saquon and the giants could dominate through the run game then they can very well take this game i'm gonna keep sleeping on the giants train i'm gonna (laughs) get my bed tuck myself under the covers and keep sleeping because I I don't know the something about the Giants offense I just don't understand how they're doing it but I feel like at some point they just have to fall back to reality like Saquon Barkley is the only reason why they're winning these games yeah and the Ravens I know like their wide receivers are the best and Lamar has fallen off a little bit I'm not I'm not gonna lie he has fallen off a little bit in terms of his way of play but I don't know I just have the Ravens winning this one they're more they're, they're, they're favored to win more. Lamar has, even though he's been playing a little bit down from how he started off the season, he's still better than any of those players on those Giants team. So I got the Ravens winning that one, and we got a good Vikings and Dolphins matchup. Who do you have winning this one? I like the Vikings in this one. I think that they've been just finding their groove more so in the past few weeks, leading themselves to a 4-1 and record as well. I think that Dalvin Cook having a good game last week really benefited the offense, and I talked about this as well. 
the fact that Dalvin Cook is able to do this while they have this like the weapons that they do in Justin Jefferson and um, Adam Thielen, I think this team is not beginning to be on the rise. I think they're going to surprise some people. And honestly, I do think that they're going to take this game as well but, uh, because obviously we know that Tua Tagovailoa is not going to be playing. And so, yeah, the Dolphins are a little under underhanded without him. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings for this one for sure. I'm going to agree. I'm taking the Vikings, the Dolphins. If you told me the Vikings and Dolphins will play each other two, three weeks ago, I would say the Vikings were going to lose this game because Tua was playing his mind off. Tyreek and Jalen Waddle looked like they were the two best players in the entire league. But now there's no Tua. Tua's on like concussion protocol. Um, Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion last week too. So with the unsure, the uncertainty of quarterback play, I got to take the Vikings for this one. And we got a great AFC matchup. This was the game of the year last year, and now we have a rematch, the Bills and the Chiefs. I'm going to let you go first. These two teams, I think there can't be anything said. Like, I know you mentioned last podcast that these two teams are most likely to be in, like, where they were last year in the playoffs, facing each other in the conference finals. Um, I think that I'm going to lean toward the Chiefs solely because of the, how they've been consistently I know that um, Josh Allen has looked unstoppable, but for the fact that Patrick Mahomes, I feel like he's on another level right now, and Travis Kelsey, they just have so many more weapons, I feel like. And the, I think the defense, honestly, for the Chiefs is clicking more than it is for the Bills because of the health, health, reason, health reasons and that the Bills may not be just up to par with the defense. I know they've struggled a little bit too, but honestly, like I think you, you can agree too. These teams are... Honestly, both of them could put up a 40-burger in this game, and I will not be surprised. So I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs, but the Bills are right there behind them. I'm not sure how this game was not slated for the Thursday night game instead of the tank bowl that we're about to watch with the Commanders <laughs> and the Bears. But I do agree. I have the Chiefs winning this one. The Bills' nightmares are going to continue in Kansas City. I mean, for the Bills, the only reason why they're able to have such a good record right now is because they've been blowing teams out of the water. But when we saw them in close games, they're just not able to perform and come up in the clutch. We saw that against the Dolphins. They weren't able to come up in the clutch. Literally had two times where they were able to, you know, get the ball into the end zone and, you know, take the lead. You know, they had the they had the block punt where it went out of bounds against the Dolphins, and they had their chance again to get get a field goal and win the game, but they just weren't unable to get the ball down the field and score. And we've seen it last year too, and the years before that, whenever they're in the clutch, they're just not able to perform. Especially like 13 seconds last year, they have the lead. They're up by three. <laughs> 13 seconds is all you need. They have to drive down, what, almost 40, 50, 60 yards to get into field goal range, and they just weren't able to stop the Chiefs. You know, so when it comes to the clutch time factor, I know this game is going to go down to the clutch. And when it matters the most, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over anyone. And we've got a great Sunday night matchup. The undefeated Eagles against the undefeated Cooper Rush. <laughs> One of them is bound to lose. I don't like it. I don't like the storylines. One of them is coming <laughs> to an end, man. One of them has to come to an end. Who is coming to an end tonight? <sighs> well, I think that not only has the offensive production for the Eagles been like just on another level, I think with the dual threat of Jalen Hurts just being able to run or pass whenever, however he wants, that's something that like is uncommon throughout quarterbacks. I think easily comparable to the other two we were just talking about in Mahomes and Allen. 
Um, I think that the defense level, I'm I'm taking the Eagles defense over the Cowboys defense. And for really? that reason, yes, I honestly will because of how consistent the play has been for that defense. We've seen laps, uh, lack, lackluster efforts from this Cowboys defense a little bit throughout the course of the season. We know that Trayvon Diggs has stepped it up since the beginning of the season as well. And the pass rush for the Cowboys is absolutely insane. But these are two of the top defenses. But in my mind, I think the Eagles do have a better defense with Fletcher Cox at the rush, rushing. Darius Slay has been fantastic this year as well. I think that while, honestly, it comes down to the offense. And while Cooper Rush has been undefeated as a starter, I think that's going to come to an end. The Cowboys defense has just been playing so phenomenal these past couple weeks. I don't see that stopping. Um, they're forcing interceptions. They're forcing fumbles. They're literally creating havoc all over the field. And even though, yes, the, I like the Eagles offense better, at some point, they've they've been looking so well. It's almost unbelievable at this point. And I feel like there just has to be one of these games where they just look off. Something's not right. They're making mistakes, and they're just not able to capitalize. And I think this is the game where they start to struggle a little bit on offense. This Cowboys defense that's just playing so out of this world right now. Micah Parsons looking like the defensive player of the year front runner right now. Trayvon Diggs, we saw him getting so many interceptions, but also allowing so many plays down the field too. But he stepped it up in coverage this year too. He is not that same cornerback last year where he only gets interceptions and that's it. He's been playing lockdown coverage on wide receivers. And this pass rush, again, for this Cowboys is going to create havoc for Jalen Hurts. I know he's mobile, but at the same time, when you pressure a quarterback, it creates pressure. And when you get pressure, you get to ner- you start to get nervous a little bit. And at times, it's going to you know, force Jalen Hurts to maybe escape the pocket, and that's what they might want him to do, just escape the pocket and not throw the ball down the field. And because of that, I'm taking Cooper Rush, man. He's, he's just... I know he's not like the best talented quarterback where he's able to just sling the ball down the field and make plays like Dak Prescott, but I feel, when I'm looking at the Cowboys offense now, it's more simplistic. They're not like trying to make creative plays. They're not trying to run these cool looking routes to get wide receivers open. It's just simple. Let's run the ball down the field. Let's make them commit on the run, and then let's run some play action. Let's get these wide receivers the ball. We saw that against the Rams last week where they ran the ball almost like 30, 40 times with uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. And what did that do? It opened up the lanes for, you know, C.D. Lamb, all these other wide receivers to get open. Because of that, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Interesting matchup. Definitely one of the more ma- uh, just I, I like both storylines for both teams. So it'll be very interesting how that game turns out. And then we'll finish it off with the Monday night matchup. My, I'm disappointed. The Broncos, so injury depleted. They're taking on the Chargers. I think we all know who's going to win this one pretty easily. Yeah. Um. In my opinion, I think the Broncos should be should have been able to compete, but just they're so injury depleted that the matchup is just so favorable for the Chargers. And yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers, but it's it's there's a lot of what ifs, you know. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of what ifs. All right, and let's move on to the NBA. It is literally less than a week until the opening tip-off next Tuesday. Let's go. So because of that, let's see who's going to make the playoffs and what teams are going to make which standings. For the Western Conference, the number one seed I have is the Warriors. And we're moving on down to the two seed, the Clippers, then the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Suns, the Mavericks, the Lakers, and then the Wolves are going to make the top eight into the playoffs. And then just the teams missing out on the 9th and 10th seed, the Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers. Um, 
it's somewhat similar for me. Um, I actually have the Clippers being the first seed, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year coming back from injuries with Kawhi and all them. But, I, yeah, I think they're going to be the first seed. The second seed, I have the Denver Nuggets, honestly. A little bit of a surprise. I think they're going to do a lot more just damage than people would think they would be. Um, three is the Golden State Warriors. They all always have to be in that combo. Four is the Memphis Grizzlies for me. Five is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they're going to have a very, very good year with Rudy Gobert manning the middle. Um, number six, I have the Dallas Mavericks. And number seven, I have the New Orleans Pelicans with Zion coming back and that talented roster that didn't make the playoffs without him. Um, number eight, I do have the Phoenix Suns. I think they're going to have a little bit of a drop-off year. Not because of any reason. I think they still have a similar roster. It's just there's so much talent in this conference. There, there needs to be a team that falls down because so many of these teams are emerging as candidates to be toward the top seeds. Um, for the nine seed, I do have the Lakers missing out, but... I honestly think that there's a huge chance that they do get into the playoffs. They're going to be in the playing tournament. Don't get that twisted. But, yeah. And for the 10th seed, I actually have the Sacramento Kings. I think they're going to surprise some people this year. I don't know if they're going to get into the playoffs and <laughs> just get rid of the drought that they've been in since, I believe, 06. But, yeah, this team is looking better than they have in years past with Sabonis and Keegan Murray newfound. And they just have a lot of pieces that actually can maybe click. So I'm excited to see that. I'm going to touch up on something where you said the AC as the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Okay, I know they like I know they had a mental breakdown game 7 last year. I know they literally collapsed against a Australian team which <laughs> Let me let me point this out. This Australian team that beat the Phoenix Suns plays in the same team as the Illu- in the same league as the Illawarra Hawks. And if you don't know that, UC Riverside just beat the Illawarra Hawks. So if you kind of put that into perspective, maybe UC Riverside could have beat the Phoenix Suns <laughs> if you think about it. But anyways, the Phoenix Suns, I know they like, everyone hates on them. Everyone talking trash about them. They're trying to make them look like this really bad team. They're not bad. Okay? No, not, not bad at all. They're still the same team that got the number one seed and broke a franchise record for wins. They're just still that same team that went to the, the NBA Finals two years ago and lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that they had a whole collapse last year. But you still cannot underrate them. You cannot put them at the eighth seed. They're still a great regular season team. Yes, the talent level is coming back up with all these players coming back from injury. But I just don't see the Suns dropping all the way down to the eighth seed. Honestly, I have them at the eighth seed because everyone in front of them, I feel like, is either added a new piece or is regaining one of their top pieces. Like the Denver Nuggets getting Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. I think they're going to be a top seed. Um, the, the, the Timberwolves got Rudy Gobert. I think that's going to be a real diff- difference maker for them. The Mavericks with Christian Wood, I think he's going to be a good, good piece for them. And the Pelicans, Zion. I honestly think they, while I put them at the seventh seed, I think they have top three potential if they play their cards right and they impress. But don't get me wrong. The Phoenix Suns, I'm putting them as the eighth seed. They're not the eighth seed talent. I think the NBA is at a different level that we've never seen it at, where we have teams at the bottom of the playoffs that are able to be the contenders. And we'll dive into that, I feel like, more into the Eastern Conference teams because I feel like the East is also very, very deep. But it's just so much talent in this league right now, and I'm all here for it. Again, um, I'm going to touch up on the Wolves and Pelicans too. I just don't see the Wolves making such a big noise in the West. I know they got Gobert, but we've seen Gobert uh, at times, maybe in the playoffs too, where he's struggling to guard perimeter players. I mean, I think that would help with Towns too when he's there. So maybe Gobert could just focus on playing defense, but and the inconsistency of the Wolves is what's really bothering me, and it's the reason why I don't have them as high as you do. Uh-huh. Um, D'Lo, 
he's just been on trade block for like the past <laughs> couple of seasons. And I love D'Angelo Russell. He's been a great player, but I don't know. He just doesn't have that dog in him, the ability to create and have that killer mentality of scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of that pass first point guard now. I mean, Edwards, I think he's going to continue to take more steps into becoming a great scorer, maybe, you know, playing better defense as well. Yeah. But Carl Anthony Towns, too. I think he's reached his prime where he's not going to get any better. And after this, he's just going to be dropping off. I think specifically the reason why I put the Minnesota Timberwolves so high is because I do see the emergence of Anthony Edwards this year. I think he's going to grow into that franchise, franchise player that they did think he was going to be as they selected him number one. That's one of the bigger reasons. I think he's going to be a 25-plus point-per-game score this year. I think he's going to take a big step, and that's why this team is going to perform. Although they did get Gobert, they still have those same pieces around. I just think that it's going to be Anthony Edwards being the difference maker. I Because for me, they don't have like that leader, that vocal leader. Like Last yeah. year, they had Patrick Beverly, and mm-hmm. I know Patrick Beverly, he's annoying. He doesn't <laughs> really do anything on offense either. But you cannot deny the fact that he brings he brought that group together. He Just did. from a vocal standpoint and leadership, he brought them together to play better defense, be all one unit, all together. And that's what made them go into the playoffs because they're all playing one unit without Patrick Beverly now. I mean, I don't see, I don't know who's that vocal leader for this, for this Wolves team. Maybe that's Anthony Edwards now, or maybe that's Towns, or I don't know, maybe D'Angelo Russell. But as of right now, I just don't see them having a vocal leader. Same thing with the Pelicans too. We know we have Zion, but again, is Zion going to play the whole entire year? We don't know that. Yeah. That's been up. That's up in the air for the whole like the whole time he's in the NBA. Is he able to play the whole entire season? And we saw saw the Pelicans last year when they were unable to have Zion. You know, it got difficult on offense sometimes. Their defense, you know, I love um, Herbert Jones. He's he's such a great defender. He's he's on the come up for sure, but. I don't know. Until they, until I see Zion play the whole season, I just don't see the Pelicans coming as high as you do. Yeah. To be fair, I do have the Pelicans as the seventh seed. I don't think they're going to make too much noise. I know that they're going to have injury concerns for sure. But honestly, I'm very fond of Jonas Valanciunas being at the center. I think he can do pretty much anything you need out of a typical big man. He can shoot it. He can defend at a, de- at a good enough level. Yeah. And Ingram has been that guy for them for the past couple of years. When Zion has been unhealthy... And so I think getting them back together along with the new addition of CJ McCollum and having Herb Jones be there as the defensive front runner for them, I think that's a very solid group. So I don't know how they're going to perform together. Like we said, there's so many injury concerns as well. But I think the seventh seed is not a bad place to put them at for sure. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference after we just had a whole spiel about the Western Conference. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. For me, yeah. the number one seed, I do have the Milwaukee Bucks. I know Chris Milton's out, but I think Giannis will be able to hold it down f- uh, for the time being. The number two seed, I'm, I still have the Celtics. The number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets. The fourth seed, I have the Sixers. Fifth, I have Miami. Then we'll move on down to Cleveland and the Hawks. And to round out the last spot in the playoffs, I have the Toronto Raptors. The two teams I have making the play-in but not making it to the playoffs, the Chicago Bulls and New York Knicks. Interesting. Okay. So for me, somewhat similar for the top group, I have the Bucks as the first seed too. Um, I have the Celtics as the second seed. However, it does get a little different. I have the th- uh, Philadelphia 76ers as the third seed. I think the Tyrese Maxey emerged last year and that the group together is really performing well. I think that group is going to really perform well together and just – achieve more than they did last year i think they were the one seed last year but they really just didn't perform well the sixers oh no no they were they were the four seed yeah yeah um i but they were the one seed for a good chunk of that season but 
I think that they're going to be better than people think. Um, four seed, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that it's it's a big jump. I think that putting them that high is a little questionable, but I think Donovan Mitchell, we know who he is. We know what he's done. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, yeah. they have two great rim protectors and defenders, but, I mean, there's a lot of teams. In no, the- exactly. Yeah. There's just so many teams. Um, Number five, I have the Brooklyn Nets. I think mm. that um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, you really can't go wrong with that group. That's going to be a playoff caliber team for sure. You just can't, can't count them out. Number six, honestly, I was struggling not to put this team lower because they really didn't pr- improve their team at all this offseason, which is the Miami Heat. I'm very, very scared for Miami Heat fans. I think that Tyler Hero is going to be put into the starting lineup, which means that they are going to have absolutely no depth at all. Um, I think that this team really is going to be separated from the top dogs. Like They've been competing with the top seeds for the since since they were in the bubble and made the finals. Um, I think that's going to change this year, though. While Jimmy Butler is still that guy, Bam is still an all-star caliber player, I just think that this team is just not built like the other teams in the Eastern Conference. So I have number seven for my seventh seed. I have the Atlanta Hawks. Um, number eight, I do have the Chicago Bulls, although Alonzo is injured. I think that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, along with Vucevic and all the other players th- that they have, they're going to be a good team because Kobe White, Pat Williams, they have some solid depth. So I'm not going to count them out of the playoffs just yet. The Toronto Raptors are going to be my nine seed. I think that they have a chance to really break out. It really depends, I think, on Scotty Barnes and his development. I think that's going to be the biggest question mark for them. And then the 10 seed, I have the Washington Wizards making some noise for them with Chris Epps-Borzingas and Bradley Beal being a good duo. Interesting. Like For the Raptors, <laughs> like I'm on the Raptors train where it's like, I years before, I'm like, mm, the Raptors aren't going to make the playoffs. I don't see them having that superstar getting there, but they always somehow do it. Like, I think they were the fifth seed last year, right? They only had, what, Fred Van Leet, Siakam, Scotty Barnes. I mean, if you look at that trio, they're not like the most superstar group of anyone, but yeah. they're still able to work together and make it happen. So I, I think you're think sleeping on the Raptors a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Somewhat, but I think that main part is the coaching. I really think that Nick Nurse oh, is Nick a Nurse fabulous is a coach. Great coach. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I think we both do agree with the talent level increasing in the East. For sure. The Raptors need to get somebody to match that because, my goodness, this East is loaded with star power <laughs> as well. You could, I, I could see any of the top six, five, six teams in this conference making the finals, which is crazy to oh, say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it sucks for the Bulls, too. Like, if Lonzo Ball was there. It would be a different oh, story. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This top eight, top nine would be, <laughs> it would be a war fest out there. For sure, for sure. All right, and let's move on to our last segment of this episode. Let's bring it back to top house player of the week. Who do you have winning this one? For my top house, I'm going to go with Patriots player Matthew Judon, who had two sacks and a forced fumble in this game, but it was a very pivotal fumble, which they ended up scoring off of. And so I think he had a stellar game in which the Patriots debuted their nice, nice jerseys. (laughs) And I could not get enough of that, honestly. I was in fascination the entire time watching that game solely because of the jerseys. But... I'm going to have Matthew Judon as my top house player of the week because of his performance in that game. My top house player of the week, nothing too special, nothing I pop in. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this guy put a master class performance against the Steelers. He literally did whatever he wanted on the football field. He had Gabe Davis looking like the next Randy Moss. Stephon Diggs did what he always done, get open, get the ball. I mean, this Bills team is looking like the Super Bowl favorite as of right now with the Chiefs. We're going to see against Sunday who's going to be the MVP runner because him and Patrick Mahomes are going to have such a classic duel once again. And let's move on to the low house player of the week. 
This could be a lot of people, <laughs> but who do you have as the low house player of the week? Draymond Green. <laughs> I don't think any explanation has no, to be said. Not, right? not, nothing else really needs to be said. Although it did come out that Stephen A. Smith said that Jordan Poole was knocked out. I mean, visibly, if you watch that video, you could really see that happen. So I mean, he only got fined, but he's not going to get suspended, which I, is kind of crazy. I'm so disappointed with the Warriors <laughs> organization making up an excuse that he needs to be there present for the ring ceremony as an excuse to not try and suspend him. I don't know. Whole situation screwed up. Um, Jamon Green is my bottom house player of the week. <laughs> for me, I'm going to not even be... It's not basketball. It's not football. But if you guys been watching the wild card for baseball... My little house player of the week is the Toronto Blue Jays. 8-1 lead against the Seattle <laughs> Mariners in a do-or-die game. Just know they lost game one against the Seattle Mariners. So game two, they come out slinging. They're up 8-1 in a do-or-die situation. It seems like the game's under control. They're going to force the game three. And then they blew it. They lost 10-9. They gave up so many runs. I was astonished watching that game. I was like, wow. Like my goodness, that the pitching just somehow collapsed. The defense collapsed. I, yeah. I mean, it's Toronto as if, Blue Jays, low house player of the week. It's as if they had picks previously for them to lose that game, and oh, they yeah. said, "Oh, I I think we need to start selling just so that we can get our money's worth." <laughs> that that's crazy. Eight to one. Eight that's, to that's, one. That's that's a lead. That yeah. is a lead, and I can't. They were believe up that. a touchdown. <laughs> and they still lost. That is crazy to think about. Yeah. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chiolamus Kade Mutemid, and we'll see you next time.